We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I'm Layla London, aka The Curious Girl. Now just to let you know, this podcast is not suitable for work. It's also not suitable for anybody under 18. But the rest of you consenting adults, let's get ready to talk about my sex life, sex in general, and everything in between in explicit, raunchy, fun detail. All right, here we go. is the thing that kind of gets you there or leading you there, but you really learn so much about yourself. It's more just about enriching yourself as a whole. It's not just this, like, I'm horny and I want to have this kinky experience or whatever. It's about kind of who you're becoming along the way. It's like a living organism. It's evolving. It's growing. It's changing. It's, It's different in different environments. It's different at different times in your life. I was in Jamaica. I was at a place right by there. Yeah. I was there for a yoga retreat and I kept seeing all these hedonism boats and I'm like, that's where I should have been. I wanted to have the conversations that I had missed out on in my 20s. Yeah. And so that was the beginning. She was like, if she were a doctor, I would think of it in terms of prescriptions. She's like, go out and have some experiences. Have some fun. There we go. And so I did. Yes. Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I am Layla. Well, I am super excited today. I have Leah Carey on the show and she's a sex and intimacy coach and she's the host of Good Girls Talk About Sex where she interviews women about their sex lives and the experience of female sexuality. And as a coach, she works with people eager to explore new avenues of their sexuality and fulfill their greatest desires, like learning how to communicate about sex with a current or future partner, diving into the dating pool after a long time away, having first-time queer experiences, investigating consensual non-monogamy, and learning about communication about kinks. So we got a lot to talk about. Leah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited that you're on. I love what you do. It's such a fascinating field. What got you into sex and intimacy coaching? Well, I actually come from a history of significant repression. <laughs> I did not. I'm going to go in- the other way. You're going like, to you're I'm bound and determined. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Up until my early 40s, I was really oh. scared of sex. I grew up in a house where it was confusing was on the abusive end of the scale. And so what I did was just shut my sexuality down because it felt really scary. And I hit my early 40s and, you know, things as it seems like happens for so many women, we get to that age and suddenly it's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to keep doing this the way I've been doing This is bullshit. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was very fortunate to be able to take a year. I was planning to travel around the United States, a solo road trip to find the next place I wanted to live. 
And in the course of that road trip, I ended up having this huge sexual awakening and sexual healing and having all of these experiences. Wait, that, what was the sexual awakening? Yeah. Were you like with partners or were we traveling with somebody or like what happened? No. So I was going by myself. The first thing that happened was that I was going to be in New York City and I thought I want to do, like I had been in therapy basically my whole life on and off. And I was like, if I could have talked my way out of these issues, it would have happened years ago. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So I wanted to do something that involved touch. And I asked some girlfriends, I was part of this online community of female writers, and I asked them, has anybody done anything like this before? Like, do you have any suggestions about what I should try? And one of them gave me the term yoni massage. And oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I found a woman in New York City who did yoni massage. If you come at it from sort of the spiritual point of view, people would call it tantric massage. If you come at it from the more legalistic point of view, people would call it sex work. Yes, sure. <laughs> it is right. both of yeah. those things. Yeah, right. Um, and I had a three-hour appointment with her where she took a full sexual history. She wanted to really understand what she was working with. And I explained to her, like, I don't have a lot of sensation when I have sex. I'm afraid that there's something just deeply broken about me. And we had this session where, you know, she touched my body both externally and internally. And at the end of the session, I mean, I know everybody wants to know what happened during the session. And that is kind of challenging to talk about because it's hands on body. And some of it was really lovely and juicy and exciting. And some of it was really terrifying because I was allowing her to touch me, not just physically, but emotionally right, in ways that I was not used to allowing people. Yes. And so we got to the end of the session and she like, she sat down and she patted the seat next to her, said, come sit down with me. Here's what you need to know. You're not broken. Yeah. Wow. She's worked with hundreds, maybe thousands of women. She knows what the sexual response looks like. She knows sort of how things move, how sexual energy moves. And she said, what I saw in your body is what I would expect to see. The fact that those pleasure signals are not reaching your brain is a signal that there's some like emotional blockage going on that you can work with. Yeah. But you are not physically nervous system broken. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so that was the beginning. She was like, if she were a doctor, I would think of it in terms of prescriptions. She's like, go out and have some experiences, have some fun. There we go. And so I did. (laughs) Yes. I love it. Well, there is something about women in their early 40s. I mean, that's when I just kind of started the the Curious Girl Diaries. And I don't know, you just come to this point where you're like, I'm powerful and I'm going to do this and I'm going to explore and I'm into my body. I want to know, I want to know more about it, investigate more about it. And uh, yeah. I recently had a conversation with a woman. She's a woman's health doctor. She was explaining to me, and I think I need to preface this by saying she was not quoting any research. She was saying that this is what she's observed and the connections that she's making. But what she said was that this is a common thing that happens. And what she thinks might be happening is that the estrogen hormone is the sort of nurturing caretaking hormone. And that as we enter that time where estrogen starts to decrease, 
we have less of that need to give all of ourselves to other people. And suddenly we're free to pay more attention to ourselves. Wow. I'd never, I I've never that. heard that theory, but it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. And for whatever reason, I'm happy to be in this space. I'm happy you're yeah. in this space. So Thanks. same. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so you went through this kind of like you said, sexual awakening. Is that fair enough? Yeah. Okay. And so then that led you to sex and intimacy coaching? So as I was traveling around the country, I was starting... This was when Craigslist personals was still a okay. thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was legal. <laughs> that is, we are dating ourselves with this. I think I was just talking about this earlier today with on another interview. I said, because they were millennials, I go, before there was Reddit, there was Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was traveling the country and I would, when I was in a city for longer than a few days, I would look mm -hmm. on Craigslist and see if I could like find an experience to yes. have. And yes. So I started having threesomes and I I went to my first play party and yes. like I just did all these things. Yeah. And while I was doing all of this, I would go back every time I had an experience, I would go back to my group of female writers and I would be like, so here's the next chapter. Yes, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I, it sounds like you and I have done similar yeah. experiences. <laughs> I mean, I've done the play parties and just start wanting to have these experiences that enrich your life. And you, I always tell people it's really interesting because it's like this, you think it's, it's the sex is the thing that kind of gets you there or leading you there, but you really learn so much about yourself. It's more just about enriching yourself as a whole. It's not just this, like I'm horny and I want to have this kinky experience yeah. or whatever. It's about kind of who you're becoming along the way. And Absolutely. It's been such a fascinating journey. And that's why initially when I started my show, I thought, oh, it's going to be a year. I'm just going to do this for a year. And it was really just to document my first sex bucket list. And then I was going to be donezo with it. And because I do the whole thing anonymously and I could just slink into the background and it was a social experiment with myself and that's going to be that. But whoa, it really just created this completely different universe for me. Yeah. And now I'm like, I'm in it. You know? like, yeah. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Like, there's nothing else I want to talk about. I spent so long not talking about it that I'm like, yeah. why would I not talk about it now? <laughs> yes, yes, I love it. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm assuming then it just, you just decided like, this is something you want to help others with? Yeah. So these women who I was writing to started asking me questions because suddenly I became the authority on sex, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they started asking me questions. And over time, that sort of naturally led into starting a podcast where I could have the conversations mm -hmm. with women about their sex lives and then into coaching. I was already certified as a coach. And so I just sort of rolled that over into talking specifically about sex. Yes. Okay. And so how did you get into the podcasting? Like, How, how did you come up with the concept for your show? Like what you did the, you started exploring sexually, then you want to do sex and intimacy coaching. So how did you end up in the podcasting realm? Yeah. So I was having these conversations, like I would share 
share what was going on with me with close and trusted people. I didn't just go out, you know, (laughs) tell anybody on the street, but I would share. And almost inevitably that would lead to other women sharing their stories back to me Mm -hmm. about what they had experienced. And I realized that those are the conversations that I had missed out on because I was too scared to talk Mm -hmm. about sex earlier in my life. I mean, it was not that many years ago that I could not have said the word masturbation out loud. (laughs) Like it was too scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, I want to hear women telling their stories and I don't want it to be about, like there are lots of shows out there that are people teaching you how to have better sex or talking about how to do relationships and all that. I wanted to have the conversations that I had missed out on in my 20s. And so I invited these women, and I should clarify when I say women, that includes everybody who was brought up as a little girl, Mm -hmm. plus transgender women, to talk about their sexual experiences, Mm -hmm. who they are sexually, how they got to where they are. And really my goal is for everyone to have the opportunity to hear their own mirrored back to them in some way, because we're all walking around feeling so alone. And so many of us are walking around feeling so broken. Well, because there's just not, there's a lack of, uh, I don't know, normal, I I don't even know if it's the proper word, normalization over around the subject and the topic. And it's not something, you know, we talk about everything, but yes, exactly. We certainly can't talk about it through social media because that's a no-no too. So yeah. like everywhere you turn it, whether it's subtle or obvious, it's just something that you don't talk about. In, yeah, in, absolutely. In polite company and things like that. And it's like, <laughs> why not? I mean, really. Yeah. Because we've been taught that even those of us who are not religious, and I did not grow up in a religious mm-hmm. home, but even so, I still was sort of swimming around in the cultural soup that says your body is somehow shameful. Yeah. You're like, yeah. you're not supposed to take pleasure in it. Boys can take pleasure in their bodies. That's okay. Right. But as a girl, you're just supposed to sort of or do take, what other or people use need. use women's bodies to take pleasure in. Totally. But, Absolutely. But, but good girls don't like good sex. Good girls don't, don't do that. That's, yeah. 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 You say no until he talks you into it. And <laughs> yeah. All the things. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So you have this catalog of episodes. What's been your favorite episode so far and and why? Seriously. I mean, could you name a favorite episode? (laughs) Well, it could be. I could rephrase it. Like what's been the most impactful? Because sometimes somebody's story resonates Mm. with you more. I'm not trying to make you pick a favorite. I know you're all probably good. (laughs) They're all our little children. Yeah. Yeah, there are a handful that definitely stick with me. One that comes right to mind is a woman who grew up in the deep South of the United States, maybe Georgia, in a Baptist, very religious home. Right. And she and her husband had just started exploring swinging. And so there was like this huge energy of, oh my God, we're doing this really exciting thing. But also, oh my God, (laughs) like we're doing this thing that if anybody at church knew, we would be kicked out. Right. So I love that. There's a lot of, I end up with a lot of stories from people who grew up in religious homes and are like trying to figure out how to reclaim their sexuality after being told that they were sinful or that all of those messages. Yes. So is there anything that still kind of makes you 
sad overall just regarding women and sex and sexuality. Oh my God, so much, so much. I I am sad that we grow up with so much messaging that leaves us so fucked up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why are we teaching our little girls that they should take care of everybody else before themselves. Mm -hmm. Why are we teaching our little girls that it's okay for them to say yes when they mean no? Right. Why are we teaching our little boys that it's okay to accept yes when somebody clearly means no? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. I think if I had to answer that question, and it's interesting as I was listening to you, something just popped into my head. I, for me, I I think it's sad that we have such a mismatch in libidos a lot. And I believe that kind of what the root of that is what you were just talking about. I mean, the byproduct of that, of what we're talking about here is a lot of times these mismatched libidos within couples and relationships and how really messes with people's dynamic because women have this, all this stigma. You know, I think a lot of it is, again, good girls don't and, you know, we're not mm-hmm. supposed to enjoy sex. And, you know, there's a lot of that still milling about and it's okay to sexualize your body, but don't enjoy the pleasure when you're in yeah. when, you're, when you're consenting and it's private and you're with your partner or whoever you choose to be with. It's very strange. It's a mixed. It's a very mixed message that we get. And I I hope that women, especially women, because I feel like men, they're in the empowerment, sexual empowerment area. They sort of get it more growing up. You know, like this is okay. But for women, I really just hope they step into their own and find what is right for them. And yeah. just be like, nope, this is what's right for me. This is what feels good. And I'm going with it. Yeah. I have so much to say. <laughs> Based oh, on what you yes. <laughs> First, the mismatched libidos. This is something that I hear so often from people on the podcast, also from clients who contact me saying, like, how do we handle the mismatched libido? First of all, I want to say it's not always the woman with the lower and the man with the higher. That's true. That's true. That is it's common, but it is a mythology that that is the only way that yeah, it would right, be. Right, right, yeah. And that's just talking about heterosexual couples. There yeah. are all sorts of other gender dynamics. Exactly, exactly, um, yes. But what I find so often, and I began to understand this when I was talking with mothers of young children, and they would contact me and say, I don't want him to touch me. Like, I just really, the doctor said six weeks and fuck that. It's been nine months and I still don't want him to touch me. What's wrong with me? And in conversation with them, what we discovered when I asked them, do you really not want him to touch you? And the answer was, no, I want him to touch me. I want him to touch me differently then he knows how to touch me. I want him to touch me in a way that's not taking my body. And some women really like to be taken. That's fine. But we have a tendency, again, those of us who are brought up as little girls have a tendency to put all of our energy out toward the other person during sex, to give as much as we can. And especially when you have a young child who's using you as a jungle gym and a feeding station. Yeah, you just yeah. don't have that kind yeah. of energy. Feeding station. Yeah. <laughs> and so you need the kind of touch that is giving to you and feeding you. Mm-hmm. And then over time, and this 
this is regardless of whether you have kids or not. This is just sort of a general thing. We don't know how to ask for the kind of touch we want. And therefore, we're not so excited about sex. And therefore, we say, I have a low libido. Yeah. And that's actually often not the issue. Yeah. The desire is not so much there because it's not as enjoyable as it could be. Yeah. Because you're not getting what you want. And so why put out the energy to get something that's kind of mediocre? So what have all your interviews with women surrounding sex taught you? Or what, I guess, what stands out the most as some of the more striking conclusions that you've drawn? I think the most important thing that I continue to learn in every interview that I do is that we're all normal and we're all walking around thinking that we're not. Right. We're all walking around thinking that we're the one who didn't get the memo and that everybody else got. Yeah. When in fact, I have never yet heard somebody give voice to an experience or a fantasy or anything that doesn't fall within the realm of quote unquote normal. The only thing, and I'm careful when I use the word normal because there is some baggage that comes with it. Right. There are some things that are not necessarily common, but that does not make them perverted or perverse. Mm -hmm. So... There's only one thing that I think we need to be careful of, and that is hurting someone without their consent. Yeah. You can hurt someone with their consent all day long. That's right. A lot of people hurt that. A lot of people love it. I'm one of those people. Yes. (laughs) But hurting someone emotionally, physically, sexually without their consent is not okay. Right. And those fantasies, because some people do have them, those fantasies should be taken to a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a sexologist, if you have access to that, to work through what that urge might actually be looking for. Everything else is on the table. There is no shame. And there are people who want to engage with you in whatever it is that you want. It is not so unlikely that there is not someone else who wants to engage with you. I have found that to be true. I can tell you. Yes, it is. I mean, there it's so vast, really. I mean, that's the fun part. It's just like, that's why I tell, that's why I was, I'm such a proponent of people paint, you know, just stay curious, stay playful mm-hmm. with your exploration, with your sex life, with your sexuality. It's kind of like a living orgasm. That's there's a Freudian slip. It's like a living organism. It's evolving. It's growing. It's changing. It's, it's different in different environments. It's different at different times in your life. You're going to like different things along the way and discover different things. And if you just stay open, then these things can, you can allow these things to happen. And it's as long as there's consent there, the sky's the limit. Yeah. And the other thing that I think comes up for a lot of people, I know it certainly came up for me. I have always been a little bit bigger. And by that, I mean that my adult life, I've mostly been like a 14. Post-pandemic, I'm Mm (laughs) 16-ish, which is actually not large. I still fit into straight sizes at the store. But I have seen myself as untenably large because my father, I mentioned there was some abusive stuff. When I was a kid, my father told me that I was getting fat and ugly and therefore no one would love me. Uh Uh-oh. 
That stuck in there, didn't it? Oh, hell yeah. So I went through my life thinking I should, first of all, take any sexual experience that came my way because I wasn't going to find that many. And so the only ones that came my way were abusive. But I also thought, well, no one's ever going to love me in this body. So I should just give up. What I discovered, and this is probably the most profound learning that I have had inside my own body. Uh, one of the things I did was go to hedonism too, the oh, um, sex resort yes. in Jamaica. Yeah, you know, so I was in Jamaica. I was at a place right by there. Yeah. I was there for a yoga retreat and I kept seeing all these hedonism boats and I'm like, that's where I should have been. Can I just jump over there? Like, you know, I thought I'm like having all this fun with my yogi friends and I'm like, <laughs> what's going on that looks like where the fun people are <laughs> yeah there, there's a lot of fun to be had there for yeah. sure what happens there i ended up actually not having much in the way of sexual experiences while i, think I was I there that episode where you were talking mm. about being in your hammock and yes kind of really just getting comfortable with getting comfortable being naked being yeah. naked that's right yes I, yeah. I listened to that i did yeah and recognizing that there were women there of all sizes. Mm -hmm. And I had been very careful in my research to make sure that there were going to be women there of all sizes. Yeah. And if you want to break it down the way that Aubrey Gordon does in her book, What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat, she breaks it down as um, small fat, medium fat, super fat, and infinifat, which I think is, is useful. So there were women there in every one of those categories. And every single one of them had somebody looking at them with desire. Yeah. So this thing that we tell ourselves that nobody will love me if my body looks this way is an absolute lie. Yeah. Yeah. But what we do with that belief is we keep ourselves hidden. We keep ourselves small. We don't put ourselves in places to be seen. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. I often just recommend women because I get, you know, people, they... Women write into me, men write into me. One of the things, of course, the hangups that I get from women is just body image issues and things like that. It's like, well, you know, it's always that, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be more sexual or I'll be more comfortable when they're planning it ahead in the future. When I look like this, when I lose 10 pounds, yeah, I'm wearing this size, whatever. And it's just like, no, literally start now, right now is the time, you know, to start loving yourself, feeling sexy. The minute you get into that mindset, all the stuff that you think you're shifting, you're going to shift it another way by seeing a different number on the scale. Trust me, that's not going to do it. It's up here. Yeah. And, And if you can just start pushing to be excited about it now, the rest will fall into place. Yeah. You bring all your issues with you. Yeah. Even when you lose the 10 pounds or get the facelift or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And changed anything internally. No, because that's really... What makes you think that you will have gained some new skills and suddenly know how to be this tigress that you always imagined? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the tigress, I know. So... That tigress takes a long time to hone. I'm still working on it, you know? Oh, me too. She waxes and wanes. I mean, like sometimes I'm full on just like, oh yeah. And then other Mm -hmm. times I'm like, I'm a little more tentative. (laughs) Even after all the exploring I've done. So it's normal. It's natural to have it ebb and flow, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I know that you work with clients. When you say that your biggest superpower is radical empathy, what does that mean? Tell me what radical empathy is. I think to me, it means that I don't make assumptions. 
I don't think that someone is going to, that there is some normal that we are trying to get to. I want people to get to what is exactly right for them. And in that process, I might hear a lot of things. I think that what makes my work powerful is that people feel really safe with me. They know that they can show up and say their deepest, darkest fears and experiences and fantasies Mm -hmm. and that I am completely accepting of all of those. Yeah. Because again, as long as we're not talking about hurting something, someone without their consent, it's fair game. Yeah. And that I think is sort of, that's what radical empathy means to me that I, I don't think it's my place to judge anybody's wants or desires or fantasies. My only job is to help you to feel more fulfilled. Yes. So I have an email that I want to read and I would love your advice. To this. Okay. I know what I said to them. Yeah. And I would just love to hear how you would advise them. This is from M. And she says, hi there, recently started to listen to your podcast, but not all episodes yet. I am 38, never had a vaginal orgasm. I've tried everything. I mean, Lilo vibrator, it felt good, but never like close to an orgasm. I can have a clitoral one, but just with a vibrator, never with a man. Lately, I started to squirt, which at first was exciting, but it doesn't come with an orgasm. Maybe it's just from overstimulation. I'm so desperate. I just want to be normal and be able to feel pleasure. What would you suggest? Oh, Em. (laughs) I know. I know. My heart goes to Em. You need to give her your best. Come on, Leah. Give her your best because I did. (laughs) This whole thing about clitoral versus vaginal orgasms, first of all, is fucking bullshit. Thank you. Say it again. Fucking bullshit. Fucking bullshit. Right. Your body works the way that your body works. If you are having pleasure, there is no better pleasure that you should be seeking. If it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Right. If you're only having an orgasm with a vibrator, cool, use a vibrator. Right. I am not someone who is going to tell you to like give up what's working for you because it's working for you. All that matters is that you're having pleasure. Now, if you are someone who is having pleasure with a vibrator and there's a voice in your head that says, I think there might be more pleasure available to me in other ways, then absolutely try those Try the other things. Try your hand. Try whatever it is that speaks to you. But if you're thinking, I should be trying other ways of masturbating or orgasming because I should, because there's some better, more normal way to do it, fuck that. Right. (laughs) You should be, if you're having one, like, good on you. I don't care if it's from rubbing your toe, whatever, (laughs) like whatever works. Yeah. And if squirting is fun, great, do it. And if it makes you feel squicky, cool, don't do it. Yeah. One of the things that there are so many misconceptions that I had. One of the reasons that I thought that I was broken was because I didn't have sensation in my breasts. Like I, somebody would touch my nipple and I would feel the touch for a moment Mm -hmm. and then it would kind of go numb. 
And I thought, well, clearly this means I'm broken because every woman, every woman loves having her breasts played with. Like this is just a basic tenet of (laughs) all sorts of eroticism, right? Right. Every woman loves having her breasts played with. Well, no, actually. Turns out, yeah. and this is something that at the end of my podcast, every uh, most episodes, I do a Q&A with mm-hmm. the guest. And one of the questions I ask is, do you enjoy having your breasts played with? And uh, I haven't run the numbers lately, but I'd say probably about 30% of the women say no. You don't really have sensation there. Or it's annoying or whatever. For me, I discovered I have sensation not in the nipple, but in the undercarriage of the breast and a little bit on the side. That's not what I was taught to expect would be the proper normal place. And so I thought I was broken. No, I have a different kind of pleasure in a different way in a different spot. And that's totally okay. Yeah. For sure. No, I know. This comes up a lot. People are blaming porn for a lot of stuff. Do you think the breast misconception stems from that? Like, because guys love to play with women's breasts and maybe it's assumed that because when you're watching porn, there's, of course, the woman's going to be acting like she's enjoying it. And it's a scene, just a produced scene. I mean, do you think that that's part of the problem? I mean, there's a lot of our, I don't want to say knowledge because it's not knowledge. A lot of our assumptions about sex a lot of our faulty assumptions about sex come from porn. Now, I am not one to villainize porn. I think there are some some real good uses for it, Mm -hmm. especially if it's ethically produced and quote-unquote feminist porn. Mm -hmm. And please, people, pay for your porn. (laughs) Just as an overriding note, what we see in most mass-produced mainstream porn is the male fantasy of what they think sex should look like. Now, I don't actually believe there are a lot of men who have fantasies that are not like mainstream porn, but they get submerged because the men think, oh, well, this is what a normal fantasy looks like. So this is what I should fantasize about. So we're all getting messed up by the images we see on porn. Also, I mean, if you read erotica, if you see, watch something, movies, they don't necessarily show a ton of breast play usually. But if you consume other kinds of erotic content, you'll notice that breast play comes up a lot, Mm -hmm. but also we don't talk about things that we're not doing. So it's not like we have any erotic scenes where people are like, oh no, don't touch my breasts. I don't have sensation there. Who's going to write that scene (laughs) into a fantasy? Yes, right, right, right. Exactly. And that's, you know, I think it's important to just to, put in there. It, it's a, This is just a fantasy. That doesn't mean it's everybody's fantasy. And that doesn't right. you know, people get forget that, that, you know, a lot this stuff is produced and it's doesn't mean that it's accurate for what everybody wants. No, but, not at all. But we all- It's what will sell tapes. It's what will sell yeah. downloads. Right, right. Totally. Yeah. How do you describe yourself sexually? I'm still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Very much so. So I have been on this journey now for five years and I am so much further along than I was when I started and I still have so far to go. I've been with my partner now for coming up on four years. We're in a monogamish 
heterosexual relationship, which means that we are primarily each other's only partner, but we do occasionally negotiate other things, Yeah, which is um, great because I'm bisexual and he likes other women. So, you know, there we go. Perfect. Yes. (laughs) But with that said, during the pandemic, both of our libidos took a massive hit. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was stressful and all the things that we're all going through. Some people deal with stress by their libido going up. We both happen to be people who deal with stress with our libido going down. Yeah. There are still things that I want to enjoy that I don't enjoy yet. And I now know how to ask for what I want. Yeah. I now know how to say, you know what? That's not working for me. Can we try it two inches to the left? Yeah. (laughs) So has that been your biggest, I guess, revelation or just growth area? Through this process that you've been, you know, this exploring and being open, everything that you've been doing for the last five years, what has like just surprised you the most? Communication, for sure. Yeah. I did not understand what consent was. Mm -hmm. I thought I knew what consent was. Okay. I thought it meant saying yes. (laughs) Like that was the extent of my knowledge about what consent was. I didn't understand that I could get into the middle of something and say, you know what? This isn't working for me. I've changed to a no. I just thought, well, if I've said yes, then I have to take the consequences of anything that comes. So I might as well not start. I didn't know that coercion was not okay. (laughs) This thing where somebody asks and asks and asks until they get the response that they want. I didn't know that that wasn't okay. So at some point when somebody asked enough times, I just gave in because I didn't know there was another option. Oh, that's so annoying to me. Not not you, but just when I'm at, like when somebody, the minute I say no, and then somebody waits and tries again, Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like, nope, that is a red flag to me. It's like, oh, yeah. You don't respect. You actually just don't take me as a person of my word. Mm-hmm. You don't know that when I say something, I actually mean what I say. And you see your own needs as more important than any humanity that I might have. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's a kind of a, I mean, it's a, to me, it's a huge red flag. Those people just get that point. I'm like, nope. Yeah. And something, a skill that I learned, and and you may already know this one, but a skill that I have found incredibly helpful is not only learning how to say no, but learning how to hear no and not get my nose out of joint about it. Yeah. And that is this incredibly powerful phrase, which is, thank you for taking care of yourself. Yeah. When I ask, for instance, when I propose sex to my partner... And he says, no, because that happens, because we are human. Yeah. My immediate response is, okay, thank you for taking care of yourself. I don't want you to put out energy that you don't have right now. I want you to care for your energy and your stamina and your humanness for yourself just as much as I want you to care about those things for me. And so when I think of it in terms of them taking care of themselves, it no longer feels like, oh, I've been rejected. Nobody's ever going to love me. What's wrong with yeah, me? Yeah, right. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't, it's not an ego thing. Yeah, it doesn't have yeah. to. It's really not about you. It's really, like you said, it's about that person just taking care of themselves in the moment. Yeah. And that's actually, it's definitely something to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. So... I think we know that your what your coaching superpower is, but what is your sexual superpower? And what makes you a good lover? 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, two big questions. You weren't expecting um, that. <laughs> I was not. Okay, my sexual superpower. <sighs> I'm going between two different answers. One, I've been told I give a really good blowjob. So there you go. Actually, but okay, let me dive into this for a second because I spent most of my life not giving blowjobs because I, the whole idea of of ejaculate in my mouth is an absolute no-go. Like that is just not going to happen. Yeah. And I read an article in Cosmo magazine when I was in my early 20s that said, if you love him, you swallow. And so I just did not give blowjobs because I thought, well, if I give a blowjob and I don't swallow, then he's going to think I don't love him. And then that's going to be a crisis. Yeah. So I just didn't. So then while I was doing all this growing and learning, I took some classes learning how to talk about my boundaries and all that. Yeah. And I heard this woman say, I love to give blowjobs, but I but my boundary is that I don't let anybody come in my mouth or on my face. And I was like, wait a minute, you're allowed to say that? Yeah, you can what? distinguish this. Like it can be like, I can do this, but not that. Like <laughs> seriously, my brain exploded. You blow your mind. Yeah. <laughs> and so of course, my inner dialogue says, well, that's fine for her, but nobody's going to say yes to that with me. So then I started practicing saying it. And at the time, I was underestimating how, how much uh, men how, like their dicks. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I was dating non-monogamously at the time. Yeah. I had a whole bunch of different partners. And so I started saying this to them and every one of them was like, okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, not one of them was like, never mind, put your clothes back on. Right. Yeah. They're not going to turn you away. Yeah. <laughs> and so then my current partner, after we'd been together for a few months, he, this was brilliant on yeah. his part. He comes comes over to my place one night and he's like, I have a gift for you. And I was like, I love presents. What's right, your, right. <laughs> what's my present? Yeah. And he had gotten, I actually have one right here so I can tell you the name of it. He had gotten a package of Trustex non-lubricated condoms. They have basically no taste and no smell. Uh-huh. And he is perfectly happy with them. So now I can give him all the blowjobs he wants to completion. Perfect. And not get anything in my mouth. There you go. Perfect. I love it. Uh, you and know, this is what comes from saying what you want, that people yes, can meet you there and absolutely. make it a win-win. I love it. I love that. I think this is a good endorsement here. Like a lot of women are going to be like, wait, wait, they're writing that down. Trust X, I know. hold on, hold on. Trust X. And I, they are not a sponsor for me in any no. way. I just really be. love the product. Maybe they should be. <laughs> they should Reach be. out. Reach out to them. Yeah. Good to know. I love that. Um, okay. And so what makes you a good lover? I deeply care about being connected with my partner. The kind of wham, bam, thank you, ma'am sex has never worked for me. In fact, I find it really difficult. Mm -hmm. But when I can connect with someone at a real like heart, gut level, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter what our bodies do. Yeah. Because we're, we're going to enjoy it. It's mm-hmm. going to be an experience of connection that is hopefully going to be satisfying. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I feel, you know, it's like, I, I feel the same way, but it's like, I just feel like I care so much about my partner's pleasure. I want it to be an experience every time. It's impactful on them and enjoyable for them. And it's this moment that we're sharing. And, yeah. and so I just want it to be great for them. Me too. But really, I mean, I care about like what their experience is when they're with me. 
Um, and sh- I mean, shouldn't we? Should uh, Even yeah. if it's a one night only encounter, if we're going to take our clothes off and share our body with somebody, should we not care about what their experience is? No, I'm with you. It, it, that's Yeah. I mean, because I'm not saying like this has to be, not saying about w- where that person fits in your life in the big picture. But yeah, yes. every, it's called intimacy for a reason. It can be there. It's this wonderful moment in time that you get to share with another human being. Yes. Make it fabulous. Yes. You know, I mean, because it can be, it really can be just with all the different levels that of personal connection that you have to each individual. I mean, it can can be a one night stand can be fabulous, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you keep your sexuality prioritized? So, you know, I talk about sex pretty much all day, every day. It it is front of mind for me all the time, which in some ways actually makes it a little more challenging because when I'm having sex, I'm constantly thinking, what am I going to write about this? Like, what am I going to write? So I actually have to work really hard to sort of back away from that and actually stay present in the moment. My partner has been working out of town a lot for the last couple of years. And so just the way that the pandemic work situation fell. So we have had much less time together. And when he's home, he is not awake. (laughs) He sleeps most of the time. So uh, we have not had a ton of sex over the last couple of years Mm -hmm. and that's okay. What we do is we cuddle. We spend a lot of time with skin on skin cuddling and that really serves both of our needs. And then if we need the sexual release, it can happen through masturbation. It can Mm -hmm. happen through mutual masturbation. It can happen in different ways. But I think both of us really value the skin-on-skin contact more than the actual sexual. I don't want to say it's more important than sex, but without the cuddling, the sex wouldn't happen. Yeah, that connection and that yeah, that intimacy component there with the skin on skin. Skin on skin is oh yeah, I know I'm with you. Like you can just be there and share that space with someone and it's really nice. Yes. I, yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Okay. So do you have a sex bucket list or any items or anything on the horizon sexually that you're looking forward to? So something that's my just, always wanted to do. My partner and I are in conversation with someone to join us occasionally. And it's not that we've never done this before, but we have not done it in quite such a conscious and well-negotiated way Yeah, as we're doing it right now. Yeah. And that feels really good to me so that it feels like everybody is invested in getting everybody else's needs met. And it's not like, oh, we're just going to bring this person in to be our toy for the evening. It's like, right. no, we really want to have a good experience with everyone. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so is there anything that you would, that's maybe not on your list that you would add to your list? So things that I'm curious about. Yeah, fun things to do. Yeah, like... Yeah, I mean, I would actually be interested in going back to hedonism with my partner, not for swinging. That's not really our cup of tea, but for that being nude in that sexual environment. And because I I was working through a lot of personal internal stuff when I was there last time, I think it would be fun to go with him just to like have some fun. Yes, 
that would be fun. I this was years ago. I did before, well before I was doing the Cure School Diaries. But I had this boyfriend that every once in a while we would just do this like naked. We'd stay naked all weekend, and we yeah. just we lived in the we lived in the country, and we had I had five acres, and so you know it was like. We just would stay naked all weekend. And it's really freeing and liberating. And like, yeah. the only time we put, I think, clothes on was like, you know, we ordered a pizza and the pizza guy came. But <laughs> it was, otherwise, it was just like, you know, we're walking around the house or everything we did, we just stayed naked. And it's, it's really fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And there's something about being in that sexually charged environment yeah, where everyone around you is running that kind of sexual energy all of the time. Even if you are not touching them, it really creates an environment it where, oof, yeah, things, it's yeah, it's hot. It's yes. hot. Yep. <laughs> yes, it is. And as a woman, what makes you feel sexy? Hmm. Being seen, really being seen and being acknowledged for who I really am as opposed to who somebody wants me to be. My favorite thing is when my partner just like strokes my face. It's not sexual, but it makes me feel so seen and so cherished and that in turn makes me sit up a little straighter and feel a little bit more fully inside myself. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that look on your face. I can I, I can feel that from you right now. That's wonderful. So yeah. Leah, so tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, so the podcast is called Good Girls Talk About Sex. And, Great name, uh, by the way. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and I interview everyday people about their sex lives. As we were talking, about before we started recording, they are almost entirely people who are not used to talking about sex at all. And so it's very raw. And that is part of what makes it so exciting. And then uh, if people are interested in finding out about coaching with me, you can go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching and book a discovery call and we can talk one-on-one. There we go. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm so Thank you for having me. Yes, you're so welcome. And everybody else, you guys know where you can find me. You can go to thecuriousgirldiaries.com, click on the pink tab on the right-hand side and leave me a voicemail. You know, I love getting your voicemails and I get back to every one of you personally. And it's our chance to, you can leave me a message up to five minutes, just let it rip. I love your insights, your thoughts, whatever you want to share with me. You want to give me, say something about an episode, maybe give, leave leave a message. I'll make sure she gets it. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. But just go ahead and go to the website and do that. All right, everyone stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, refer me to a friend and make sure you're following me on social media. Also go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com and join my subscribers only list for access to exclusive content. And as usual, questions or comments, you can always email me at curiousgirl at thecuriousgirldiaries.com.